This podcast is a collaboration between Costard and Touchstone Productions and the Dads from the Crypt podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the How Not to Make a Movie podcast, horror stories from the movie-making trenches. My name is Alan Katz. I'm Gil Adler, his worthy partner. <laughs> More than worthy partner. <laughs> and today, today we're going to talk about writing funny now that's a joke <laughs> it is it's funny when i know the bulk of 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 my if you go to, to the imdb and, and you look at me it, it's mostly horror and now there's there's a lot of horror in, in on gill's imdb page too but the bizarre thing is neither of us came into this business looking for horror a horror ultimately st- stalked us. We should get a restraining order. <laughs> Maybe it's a little late. But, uh, you know, when, when, when I first met you, Gil, mm-hmm. uh, the script that my agent, Carol Yumkus, at the William Morris Agency, at the time that she was sending around was called French... No, 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 it was called Down to Earth. Right. That's right. And then we... All right, I, I, I jumped ahead. It was called Down to Earth. And yep. uh, I guess it... it I guess you liked it enough to 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 want to to want to have a conversation, but it was a total comedy. See, now you're telling me it was a comedy. I read it and I thought it was a horror. Oh no, I'm <laughs> going to ruin everything. Oh no. All these years later, you find out what really is. <laughs> now, now the thing is, it's funny. I I I'm trying to remember when I knew this detail about you. The first show I ever saw in New York City, but my, my family used to go to New York City every Thanksgiving and we'd see a show. And the first year that we ever did that, we saw this show at the Mercer Art Center called El Grande de Coca-Cola. What was that? Who? What? El Grande de Coca-Cola. Oh, that show. And the irony of ironies years and years later when I... Uh, my creative partner, Gil Adler, was one of the, you were the producer. Yeah. yeah. Of we, El Grande we, and Coca-Cola. Yeah, we found that. We went to Edinburgh with a play. And while there, we saw Coca-Cola. And You went uh, there You went there with the play. What, what play did you go to Edinburgh with? I went there with a play by Jack Gelber. And uh-huh. a three-character three play. Huh. And uh, we took it to Edinburgh. And while there... Um, the press secretary for Mayor Lindsay, that's how far back we go, oh, wow. uh, said to us, uh, you know, you, got, you should see this. You, it's crazy. It's not in English. It's in five languages. You're going to love it. It's hilariously funny. And so we went to it. And of course, in, in, in uh, Scotland, the, they have 24-7 uh, during the theater festival. So we went to see it in a warehouse, a little garage at nine o'clock in the morning. Not the best time to see a comedy. And so I watched it and I really wanted to like it because I was told it was so good. And maybe this is something I could bring to New York, which would be my first play in New York. And I was just listening very carefully going, oh, that's funny. Oh, oh, oh that's funny. Uh, maybe not. Uh, oh, that's funny. And so the people who did the play were yeah. watching me because there were only like five people in the audience. Oh, and, and, and they, at the end of the show, they went backstage and they said he hated it. He didn't crack a smile once. Meantime, I was so nervous about wanting to like it and realizing how much I liked it, that I was analyzing, well, how can I bring it to New York? And yeah. how do we get people? And so when I met them, they said, look, you don't have to say anything more. You, d- you didn't like it. 
<laughs> okay. And I said, no, no, no. I want to bring it to New York. I, I want you to come to New York in eight weeks. I'm going to bring you to New York. That's funny. That's how it started. Yeah, and we yeah. went to the Mercer Art Center. And then from the Mercer Art Center, when that burned down and fell down, that building, uh, the Broadway Central Hotel. What was, but what was, now, but, let, but let's, let's go back to, to El Grande because what was really funny about it was that the entire, the entire show is, is in gibberish. Well, you could think it's gibberish. I thought it was, every word was a gem. Truly, <laughs> <laughs> truly, but, but it, it's, it, it, it's, it's in a kind of gibberish. Yeah, it's, a, it's sort of like the, uh, it pays homage, I think, to Sid Caesar and what he did with, you know, yeah. Italian and German and French. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, although, there, there's although a semblance a of language. We, Although a lot of what we said was actual real language was Spanish. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So, so gibberish, it was not totally, but, but you know, it was, it was sort of, we, we, we pitched Spanish and pitched French and to a degree so that as, as an English speaking audience, you would get it and you would understand it. And you actually walked out of the show thinking, gee, I didn't realize I could speak French and German and Italian. And gibberish. Yeah. More importantly, but but that's but that was part of what made it so exciting and funny. Yeah, and it was it was just very very different because nobody except Sid Caesar had really done it before us. But I think you know, with our guest today, uh, we should probably bring him in. And, we, we probably should because we go on and on and on. Yeah, we could talk about Coca Cola at, at some other episode or maybe a, a whole episode by itself if the audience would like to hear that. But uh, we should bring in Dave Brecker. Um, our friend and 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 comedy writer. Uh, so Dave, in, in keeping with 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 our theme today, yeah, Dave, Dave is a comedy writer, and uh, among the things that we'll talk about, well, uh, how you met Dave, doing comedy. Let me let me get Dave in the room. Uh, hey, there he is. Hello. Hey, Dave. Hey. How are you? Uh, <laughs> It, it's uh, it's it's a pleasure for me to meet you. Uh, you and yeah. Gil go back a bit. Um, I don't let's, let's 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 start there. All right. How did you and Gil encounter each other? Uh, you go first, Dave. Uh, well, I uh, as I recall, I was on tour with uh, a little uh, independent act named Bette Midler. Uh, might have heard of her. I don't know. She's been around. What were you, and, and, and what were you doing as part of this touring monstrosity? Uh, what wasn't I doing at that point? I believe I was the um, the writer's assistant is what I was uh, credited as. A uh, gentleman by the name of uh, Eric Kornfeld, who mm -hmm. was a, a up-and-coming comedian in the 80s. And uh, he got a big break on uh, Beth's uh, touring uh, roster. And um, and I I toured around with him and he took a liking to me and I uh, really knew very little about Bet uh, beyond um, you know being forced to watch uh, uh, Beaches by several an ex girlfriend <laughs> in high school and um, uh, you know an occasional boogie woogie bugle boy uh, belted out by my parents um, but uh, beyond that uh, all I knew was. Um, very uh, uh, infantile uh, uh, dad humor, and uh, <laughs> and that's what I contributed, I think, to the uh, to the tour. Um, so I I helped him out, and in the end, during the actual show, 
I, uh, I ended, up, ended up running her teleprompter, uh, which she relied on very heavily. Yeah. And, um, and I ended up, uh, after that tour, making a business out of it because how are you going to, how are you going to make it in this industry without uh, <laughs> some some cash flow? Now, let, me, let me let me just just ask a, a few questions just so we, we we set set the scene. So so Gil, you are in Sydney making Superman. You are producing Superman. Yes, and that's this is the one starring Brandon Rausch. Yeah, Brandon Rausch. Yeah. No, no, okay. So uh, uh, all right, and at the at the same time, suddenly, Dave, you are in Sydney. You are touring with Bette Midler as the as the guy who does everything but gets no credit for it. Oh, it's very less than credit, if it's possible. I was, <laughs> they were sucking credit out of you. Bet uh, Bet took a liking to me, so that's uh, you know she was like my uh, my surrogate grandma at that point. So. Um, she treated me very well, so I can't really say anything bad about her. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that. We we worked with her husband. Uh, he 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 directed an episode of Tales from yeah. the Crypt. He did. Yeah. That's right. His ep- yes, that's how we met. Uh, Jason knew that her husband, Jason Ryan's huh. assistant, uh, knew that her husband uh, directed an episode and thought that you two Martin, would Martin, Martin Van Hasselberg. Yeah, Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, well, let me tell you, my recollection was a little different, but yours is the right one. Well, I, w- I want to hear what your recollection is. because well, I- My recollection is a little different. I w- five years before that, <clears throat> I was in Brisbane. I was in the Gold Coast shooting a, yes. a movie called The Ghost, the Ghost Ship. Yes. And Bet was going to be doing a concert in Brisbane. And when I heard about this, I was like, oh, I really want to go. I really want to go. Mm-hmm. Now, a story that I don't even know if I've ever told you. When I was first starting out in this business in New York, and I didn't know what to do or how to get to first base or do anything, somebody said to me, you know, you really need to meet talent. You really need to get to know talent. Yeah. I said, yeah, but how do you do that? I, I know how to do that. And they said, well, there's this, there's, this, there's this thing going on. I don't know if you'd want to go to it or not, because it's a gay place. And it's, a, it's called the Continental Baths in mm-hmm. the Ansonia Hotel. Oh, right. So, and they said, well, I said, well, what's there? And they said, well, there's this woman a young girl who's who's, who's uh, singing and 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 a great accompanist and I said, well, you you know, you think I should? I, yeah, you should go. You should go. Literally go. one girl in that place. <laughs> right. So I so so I went I went there. I went there. I was probably the only straight guy in the place. And I would stand. And in those days, I was very quiet, very introverted. I didn't really talk to anybody. You ne- you never even knew I was there in the room. So I was in the back and I was watching this young woman, Bette Midler with her accompanist, uh, accompanist uh, do this, all these great numbers. I'm like sitting there going, wow, was wow I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta meet these people, I gotta. So I first met the accompanist and mm-hmm. became kind of chummy with him in my introverted way, you know? Um, and he became, or he was Barry Manilow. Although <laughs> for me, for, yeah, for me, he was only Manilow because everyone called him Manilow and I didn't even know his first name, like for one <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> so, and then I met Beth. Yeah. Okay, so now, so now, cut to I want to go see this. I want to see her in Brisbane, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, you know, I really want to say hello, but I don't even think she'll remember who I am because I was, I was very quiet, and I was, you know, you would, there's nothing to remember. I, I was, right. I wasn't, I wasn't somebody that you would remember. 
So right. anyway, I went backstage after the show, and you were just, probably one of the one of the only fully clothed people. Oh, uh, totally. So maybe totally. she would have remembered yeah. that. Yeah. So so I, I went up to her and I said, I, I'm sure you don't have any clue who I am, but let me tell you a story. And I told her the story, and she said, You know, now I don't know if this is true or not. You I you look familiar to me. Uh, I didn't know where I know you from, but now that you tell me this story, yeah, yeah, I, I, I it might be from that. So it was so, and that's when I thought I met you. But we we didn't meet till probably five years later in Sydney Quinc- when we Superman Returns. Yeah, right. Coincidentally, that's exactly what Bet says to me every time she sees me. You know, I, I sort of remember <laughs> you. You're uh, vaguely familiar. Right. No, no. She's great. Uh, she's she's amazing, and um, she always has been amazing. And she really helped me, uh, you know, build build my life uh, to where it is now. So you, uh, you, you I wish I were around during those periods. I think I might have been uh, an infant when uh, you know uh, Plato's Retreat and uh, <laughs> those types of places were. Right. What is it? The Continental Bathhouses, right? Isn't that where? Continental Bath in the Ansonia Hotel, I think it was. Uh, yeah. No, I was. Um, it was uh you <laughs> it was a you little too some, all right so you you did some writing for bet i did i i helped uh i i would say i i aided the um the the main writer um yeah, yeah, yeah. you know punch punch up scripts that's right. really so and 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 when especially script. when when the job is is punching up a script it is the goal is hey the job is make it funnier <laughs> than it is it's uh, arguably harder than <laughs> than writing the script. Oh, uh, especially oh my God. there are a lot of egos involved in comedy, as I'm sure you uh, are well aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to take somebody's material and say, wait a minute, let's put this twist on it is um, like a death. It's a small death. It's like, you know, t- telling a person, um, yeah, I really like that haircut, but um I think maybe should have taken a little more off the top. <laughs> Nobody hey, wants to. But 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 telling anyone who, who who believes comedy is their life that there's a there, I can do it funnier. I, I mean that's that, <laughs> that's that's you might as well the kill them. Nobody's funnier than uh, you. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but exactly. you know what, one one thing seriously for just one second. You know, comedy is very subjective. So what I think is funny, you don't have to think is funny. And what you think is funny, maybe somebody else doesn't think is funny. And it's all of a sudden thinking to myself, well, how, how do I rewrite someone's work without being offensive and making it heightening the, the humor, heightening the mm-hmm. comedy? And I think that's the real task. I think we got to get beyond the, the ego, which is sometimes oh. impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And deal with the subjectivity of what's funny for a major portion of the audience. Right. Well, yeah, therein lies the, the issue of uh, yeah. not only figuring out what's funny for yourself, which rarely is what the audience finds funny, um, <laughs> but also finding uh, what the uh, audience at large will find funny. In, uh, and yet, and in the yet, face of the, the subjectivity of it all, because as, as you said, Gil, you know, it, it is an entirely subjective thing. Hey, there are people who think Jerry Lewis movies are funny. And, and yet, really, well, what's the only way it seems to me, Dave, the only way it seems to me to approach it is by what you think is funny and feeling that more people will think it's funny as well. 
Because if you try to second guess, it's like trying to second guess a script that, you know, yeah. oh, was a successful movie today. So we're going to make something like that in two years from now. The whole world has changed and no it's one's interested changed, in it. Right, which is, um, yeah, it's enough to make all of your hair fall out at once. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a difficult task. I mean, I've been deeply uh, entrenched in, the, uh, in comedy in New York uh, through most of my career. Um, so I've seen... I've seen people and, and it's, um, I mean, you, you guys know, uh, when you see a talent and you know, this person is a talent and then you see, uh, somebody else who is absolutely not a talent <laughs> who is trying their hardest, probably working harder than the person who has natural talent and just won't make it. They don't have that stuff. And that seems to be amplified, uh, especially in the New York comedy circuit, um, you just know immediately if somebody's got it or if somebody does not. And there was, there was a great story about Gilda Radner auditioning for Saturday Night Live. Oh, and babe. it was all improv, improv, and, and they threw them all together with partners. And mm -hmm. she gets thrown together that first time with a guy who every time it's the same thing. Every time he, he just he never changes. And, and, and so one time they, they start a sketch and he, he's doing the same thing. And she says, you again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, yeah, you again. <laughs> uh, well, that's why, you know, that's why she's considered one of the greats because she, she can do that. She can yeah. more. Into, yeah, it's the ability uh, to really, to really be in the moment. Right. I see that uh, daily, um, at, at my job now, um, I, I work on the tonight show. Um, and I work with a lot of the comedians there, uh, who have, uh, gotten to that level. And I, I think it's, uh, you know, whether or not you like the show, some people are Jimmy Fallon fans. Some people are not, there seem to be only two groups. There's nobody in the middle. You either really love them or you really hate them. I, maybe I'm the only person who's in the middle because I don't know which one. <laughs> but I join you there. I, I, he's a, it's I think he's a very good. talented guy. I, I'm not obsessed with him though. But well, I know yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, people uh, people ask me about uh, uh, sketches that were on recently, and I say I I don't actually watch the show. <laughs> I've never seen it. Cut that part out. I watch it every yeah. every, <laughs> every night, night obsessively, like a football. The commercials, especially man. I, yeah, I, never, Dave, I don't. Oh think my goodness! Going, I think you're you're going away from the truth here, Dave, for a second, because you told me you love that show and you watch it every night, even though you work on it all day long. You come back and the first thing you do when you get home is look at it. That's all I do. Is I I'm like I'm like a like a football coach. I, I watch the replays over and over. That uh oh, he he zigged when he should have zagged. What do you uh, and 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 what what are you doing on on the show as, as on that show? I decided I took my uh, entrepreneurial spirit and I uh, uh, thrust it toward the Tonight Show, and I I provide the teleprompter uh, for that show. Cool. Uh, that said, I like I said I I work with the comedians. I'm friends with them. I've known them for 13 years. So um, whereas I am not a writer on that show because yeah. I I do not actually want to uh, uh die before 50 um <laughs> I the pressure is brutal brutal it is uh i i also work on snl as well and i provide their teleprompters as well uh -huh. and um uh, the pressure between those two shows on the writers themselves are is 
so massive. <laughs> it's I, I'm I'm convinced that one of the writers is just going to implode and and form a, a black hole on on the earth at one point. Uh, you SNL see has always been notorious as, as just yes. a brutal working environment for writers it's a, because of what's funny. Right. It's a, it's a boot camp. Um, but really what it is and uh, a good way on to- On the moon. Well, it's a boot camp on the moon. A boot camp on uh, something more inhospitable than the moon. I mean, yeah. it's, it's Venus, the center of- <laughs> It's really, Mercury, um, it's really hot, you know. <laughs> maybe Uranus, uh, just to make it. Yeah. Um, that's it. But I'm bummed. Uh, <laughs> see, I told you, infantile dad humor is- uh, Always works. Now that I'm a dad, I'm allowed- to do that so um but um but i i can see it in their eyes i can see it in their face sometimes they'll uh they'll come into work on a monday and by friday it's it's they've lost weight their you know beards are patchy and overgrown um but that's the nature of comedy especially in new york it's just a it's a it's it's a place to come and get on the centrifuge and <laughs> you know if the strange thing is comedy never seems to attract happy people <laughs> no it does not <laughs> Weird. Uh... you never you never you never go to, uh, to to the comedy store or or or, or laffy's and, and 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 hear a guy going i'm really happy i don't know i always thought Polly was uh was actually a really happy guy underneath i, I, I kind of think they may have started happy but then as they got further into comedy, they realized, oh, my God, what have I gotten myself into? But and isn't that, that true of anything? Isn't that true of, of producing a movie? I mean, listening to your podcast about the making of this movie, you guys went in, uh, you know, with a great idea and a, and a great uh, foundation. And then all of a sudden it was thrust. Something else was thrust upon you and you yeah. just had to work with it. In, in, Didn't in, you come in, out of it? In, 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 in one of the episodes of the uh, of the podcast, I I said during one of the interviews that if, if we were all Greek, this would be a tragedy. <laughs> yes, you did say that. I love and, that. And and the strange thing was there there is and I say this as a student of dramatic literature. Uh, yeah, you know the thing about tragedy is circumstances overwhelm you, and then yes. suddenly you are locked into place and it doesn't matter what your good intentions are. Everything's going to hell. You're, you're, you're Macbeth, you're, you're Hamlet, you're, you're, you're. I actually thought I was Clytemnestra while we were making that movie. <laughs> I thought I had Clytemnestra. Oh no, that's something. Else. Oh yeah. I think I'm on. Isn't that the big new drug that people are taking to lose weight? Uh, now it is in Greek times or something else. Clytemnestra. Um, but well, but your podcast currently proves the theory that tragedy plus comedy, because here we are laughing about. Oh, thank you. you know. Thank you. Um, we, I, yeah. I'm, I'm glad we proved something. You did. <laughs> um, you've proved plenty to me. In, in fact, uh, yes. I, I, I have questions now. Now you you. You started a company that that handles teleprompters. Teleprompters, which is probably used on on uh, plenty of film set. Or... I find that's fascinating. That 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 that's more interesting right. to me than talking about comedy with you. There's, there's <laughs> that is that is so ripe with with. Uh, uh, Gosh! All right, so you did the Tonight Show. SNL. I have seen some shit. Let's put it. Let's put it out there. I I I consider myself. Uh, you guys uh, are um, 
you guys are are masters of your craft. You know all the ins and outs of of filmmaking. You know each and every department. You probably have had your hands. I I think you know Gil's a pretty personable guy. I would imagine he shows up on set and wants to know what everybody's doing, right? Uh, when I provide a teleprompter to any kind of production, such as The Tonight Show. I get to sit quietly in the background and watch everything happen. (laughs) And the only time anybody screams and yells at me is when the talent is pissed off at me. But, um, and and I also have this strange, almost telepathic connection with the, um, with the talent themselves. And, uh, I, I actually was, um, I was on, uh, this uh, talk show on Bravo called watch what happens live for a long time, um, which uh, is Andy Cohn. I'm sure you've heard of him. He's sure, uh, sure. yeah. Um, and um, the things that I got to see just by sitting there <laughs> quietly <laughs> and <laughs> no, well, and I'm listening. Well, well okay. But without, the- without, without naming names, what, what is, what, what is like one of the, uh, I can tell stories. I can tell stories because I, uh, for the most part, I have had uh, nothing but positive experiences, including the Tonight Show. Even though oh, it's cool. a cold chamber and it's it's but something that- that's what this podcast is about. It's mostly happy experiences on yes. set, and then and you know what? I, even looking at uh, e- even looking at um, your movie, um, I mean, Bordello of Blood is a, a cult phenomenon now it's not you know you might have cried when it came out in the theaters but it's it's there it's it's in it it was like shitting out a porcupine (laughs) that's (laughs) that's um if i may be a little poetic about it well i mean yeah and so it's like uh sitting in new york traffic uh very similar yeah 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 same deal same deal or I feel like I'm eating the porcupine every day and then waiting for it to be shit out. I'm so, sorry. I mean, are, are, are there any particularly memorable, you know, when 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 good collaboration goes bad situations that, that have happened as you sat there in the dark? Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, oh, watching yeah. the world go to hell around you. Uh, I, I've seen um, mostly mostly on road shows, um, you know, touring with Bet. I I was out in Las Vegas with her for her last yeah. run out there for about three years. So yeah. I got to experience not only the giant metaphor that is Las Vegas, but I also got to see, uh, you know, a, a seasoned performer, uh, one that, and Las Vegas up until about 2008, when the big crash happened was known as the place that performers go to die. Really. It's, it's a lot different now. It's uh, there's, there's a lot bigger acts, but um, so Bet was trying to, uh, she was trying to undo that. She was saying, yeah, listen, listen, I may be old, but I'm at the top of my game. And, uh, you know, here you are, Las Vegas here, we're going to, I'm going to give you a, a, a proper, uh, you know, performance, um, just like a tour. Uh, I've seen people lose their minds. I've seen people, uh, you know, you can't talk about entertainment at all without bringing up some sort of uh, a drug episode that <laughs> has ruined people. <laughs> um, I haven't gotten to that part of your podcast, but I'm sure it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, you're also, that Sylvester Stallone is in there, so it's got something has to happen wacky. Well, uh, yeah, I, I think of Joel Silver as, as our drug. Well, you know, you kind of skirted around that, and you did a fantastic job of skirting around that. But and I didn't want to say anything, so you said it. But it kind of smacked of uh, you know, <laughs> some something something extra going you on. Know, I, I, it's funny. I, I I think of Joel in in kind of a this is going to sound weird a broke back mountain kind of a way. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's but when when you hear the stories of everyone working with Joel and and it's just a cra- it's crazy, but. <laughs> There are an awful lot of us who would work with him again because we just can't quit that man. <laughs> That's funny. So uh, more of a Stockholm syndrome. That's of. probably more <laughs> like what it is. You identify with your captain. Okay. <laughs> you got it. Well, well, well spotted. Well spotted. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I've seen I've seen people uh, collapse under the pressure. Certainly. Um, I My. Uh, my last job, like I said, uh, uh, watch what happens live. Um, I remember being uh, out on location in LA and um, you know, one of, one of the uh, comedy writers who I uh, respect immensely, just, he just had a break. He just couldn't handle it anymore. So like uh, he had an emotional meltdown. Uh, I would say it was a little more than a, an emotional meltdown, if that was possible. He, he, just a physical, he, he, emotional, just break. He was, ang- he was angry. Um, or he was he was weeping. Angry. There were uh, there were words that were spoken that didn't quite right. make sense. Who, let, let's go to this. One. Who was he angry at? <laughs> uh, well, most. If I were a therapist, I would say his himself, maybe his parents. Well, but, well, yeah, well, well, yeah. That that's all of us. <laughs> but, that's, uh, <laughs> but, 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 but but who was he picking on on I set? Think it was. I think it was probably the production staff, uh, you know, namely uh, maybe the talent. I don't want to throw the talent under the bus because he, Andy Cohn, has been the best thing that has hey, happened. No, no, look, look, we're just telling an honest story, but, but someone got angry at Andy for, for whatever reason. And man, he raged and he raged and, and it produced an incident on set that was apparently in the, memorable. In the control room, which was uh, extremely memorable. And, um, uh, like I said, I'm still friends with this gentleman today, so I don't want to name names, but uh, it was definitely uh, something, uh, and it, you know, this was uh, a live to tape um, in front of a huge audience at the, at the. Uh, I'm going to get the name of it, not the Wellmont, the Weltern, the Wiltern. The Wiltern in LA. Wiltern, yeah. Wiltern, yeah. Um, so a huge audience oh, boy. Uh, waiting yeah. for things to go on, and there's just a meltdown happening. And uh, I'm I'm looking around, going, "Can I do anything? You want me to? Oh boy, you on oh stage? I can. Uh, I I can. You want me to write the script? I'll write the script, but I I can't get Andy's voice as well as this guy. So, um, so, so was he threatening to to leave? Oh yeah, no, I think he had left, <laughs> even though he was still there. It was, it was. Oh over. yeah. Yeah. He, but he, so he said he's checked out and he's raging and, uh, and still the and show has got to I, go I on. Call it raging. It was just a, you know, I'm done here. I can't, there is nothing else I can do, even though I have an entire job to do uh, later today. Uh, I'm, I'm going to just disassociate from reality. <laughs> and well, uh, so Alan, it sounds like uh, sort of like 
you and I on almost everything we've done. <laughs> I was going to say that's when the Check producers out, in and and took over the show, and um, and that's why there are producers in the world. <laughs> that's why they're you know professional producers in the world to to save things from uh, uh, going full Titanic. It went half Titanic. It was like the front fell off and the back was still floating. So I've I've seen that happen on more than one occasion. Um, oh, oh gosh, yeah. Uh, not not with this particular gentleman with uh, various creators um like i said i have worked on snl i have worked on uh um uh uh the tonight show for for a very long time and um look you hey, know when, when you you're know, as we know showbiz is incredibly unreliable as uh, yeah. as an economic partner that that you that you have a business that 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 keeps you there is genius. It's crazy, utter <laughs> genius, man. It's it's a little bit of genius, maybe and a little bit of uh, uh, batshit craziness. Because um, I I keep uh, <laughs> I keep I keep going after it no matter what. Whatever uh, keeps your but but whatever keeps your hand in the game. That's I love it. I I I love it. I I've loved uh film since I was a child. Uh so uh I grew up uh you know I was a, a teenager, sorry, when I was watching uh, uh Tales from the Crypt. Uh so that, you know, that continued I, my I was life. an infant, so uh, oh, you were an infant making well, you know, then I'm jealous. <laughs> That's another thing with comedy in New York, by the way. Nobody likes a young man coming up. <laughs> everybody's everybody's seasoned. Everybody knows more. Oh, my kids have arrived home. Uh, uh, I, have a, I have a dog gate. I don't know if you could see it up there to keep them uh, no, out. No worries. No, no worries. Uh, as as you stand here today, what uh, what are you working on next? What uh, I'm still at the Tonight Show uh, uh, now until they uh, until they drag me kicking and screaming from there. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I'm playing uh, softball. I don't know where that came from. I'm the least uh, athletic human on the planet, but I'm playing on their softball team next week. So I'm I'm well, in. Man, you must be. You are part of that crew, man. It's it's, I, it's, it's written I'm, stone. Is that, uh, the, I, is, that, is that part of the Broadway show league? Do you play in Central Park? Uh, we do play in Central Park. I don't think we're part of that league, but we are playing the uh, the Daily Show. Uh, so oh. it's uh, two comedy shows. Uh, oh, that sounds awesome. Okay, be, so you, you would be surprised how serious they are for a oh, bunch yeah. of comedians. Yeah. Um, oh, I've, oh. When I first got to LA, I played uh, on Sunday afternoons with uh, it was a pickup softball game with a bunch of stand-ups, including guys like uh, Jerry Seinfeld played. Oh, game. yeah. I and, would imagine. Oh, well, he's was, a, yeah. uh, 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 Tom Arnold played in that game, and it was it was hilarious. First of all, because everyone did Vin Scully, oh. so every play of every single at bat, every pitch, there was at least three guys doing Vin Scully. <laughs> R.I.P. Uh, anyway, but yes, they're 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 incredibly well. Comedians are, in addition to being neurotic, they're incredibly competitive. They are incredibly competitive, which is um, which I wonder you you had mentioned uh, that you uh, wanted to go into entertainment for comedy writing. So is that is that correct? Is that oh, well, yeah, to me, uh, Tales from the Crypt was always black comedy. I that that was that was what I loved about Absolutely. what I loved about the EC Speaking comics. Was, yes. 
Yeah, you know, I, I and and well, EC Comics and Mad Magazine all came from from the same place, from 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 you know the world of Bill Gaines, and and all those creative people that he surrounded himself with, and that he was kind of like the creative Papa Bear. Right. Uh, yeah. That was really his genius. He 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 knew how to make the creative people of a particular stripe feel incredibly nurtured. Right. And that's and, uh, that's extremely important, which uh, doesn't seem to happen very often these days. But well, um, yeah. well but, you know, uh, speaking of the uh, the Stockholm syndrome, <laughs> um, it does feel as though once a person is entrenched in this uh, in this uh, uh, the comedy um, atmosphere, uh, they despite how um maddening it is and uh just it will break your soul and break your personality and your physical like i said people have sallow cheeks at the end of the week um you don't ever want to leave it or you can't it's uh, you know i hate to use the cliche godfather three uh <laughs> but you know try to get out and it pulls you back in uh, yeah, is yeah. it that or do you just never leave you just stay there forever and that's it and you die a comedian <laughs> i wonder uh, we, we we mentioned the word tragic earlier oh. and, and and there's something to it there and and hey uh david it, it looks like you're you you you've you got things to do man uh forgive me i'm going to pour some apple cider hey we can take a there, commercial break been, been there been <laughs> there done that the stu the, leonard's uh, apple cider best you could possibly get in uh the tri-state area the there you uh, go. the That's easily my, the best this is my best budding thing. comedian uh elliot here we'll say hi all right hey elliot how you doing <laughs> get out of here yeah best best gig i ever had was uh was being a parent uh, which, which actually actually you know our 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 co-producer in this venture is 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 dads from the crypt oh that's right yes i i and did so start at, listening at at the very least we have just made dads jason and and, and mondo and all the guys of dads from the crypt happy so our well, work I'm, here is done i would like to join dads from the crypt because like i said i was obsessed with that show when it was on and gil actually directed should. one of my favorite episodes the, so the, 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 the dads from the crypt you know the, the whole thing is they they review all the episodes of tales from the crypt and they give parenting yes. advice oh my god that's amazing that's that's me when jason gross approached me and, and he told me what dads from the crypt did I thought that is so funny. How how can I not want to do whatever you want to do? See, to well, me, considering... it makes total sense. To me, to me, it, I, I say, yeah, that makes sense to me. That's right. Yeah, it's a, of course we're men of a certain age. If we watched it uh, coming up in the nineties, and uh, <laughs> we all a bunch of us have kids now. I mean, all my friends. I let me get let me get on to the tales from the crypt. Uh, uh, smoke blowing for a second. Um, you know, my friends and I would watch. I mean, that would be all we discussed uh, coming back to. I think I was in high school at the time um, was the episode that was on. I, I don't remember. Was it on Saturday or Sunday? Fridays. Uh, Fridays. Fridays. One day of the week. I've had one of seven chance. So um it was on Fridays. Okay. So we'd come in on Monday and we would discuss the episode at length. Uh, so basically uh, dad's from the crypt stole my idea 
uh, we were fathers. Yeah, we were also giving uh, child rearing advice as teenagers. Um. <laughs> I, I I've always taken my my parenting advice from the crypt keeper. You know, I I was going to say when we were doing that show, we we thought we were giving parenting advice. Yeah, hey, uh, I, I say to my kid all the time, hey, be careful what you wish for, kid. You might just get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You say it with yeah. that. That I, I can't do the laugh, so 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 so. I uh, that's a shame. Um, uh, Dave, this has been a delightful experience talking well, to you. It's been great talking to you guys. I, uh, yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan. So oh, well, uh, thank you. And, you know, as as it, Gil said that you got to meet my friend Dave. He's he's hilarious, and uh, he's 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 been writing and and, and working in, in the business. And hey, you know, he he knows comedy, and you know, in basically you know comedy, I can tell you that. Hey, <laughs> it's a hard business. Don't you know? Don't don't plan on getting into it and uh, uh, coming out looking like Brad Pitt. You know, <laughs> well, you, you should see what Brad Pitt used to look like. He was really pretty. Oh, is that right? Is he in comedy now? Is that <laughs> yeah, um, uh, anyway. no, yes anyway thank you for uh thanks for having me guys uh pleasure was ours delightful seeing you and and uh, i'll catch up with you in new york i hope i hope so i hope cool. so pastrami queen yeah, I'm there. Don't, <laughs> don't go making promises you ain't gonna keep i will keep that promise you can't get between me and a good pastrami sandwich And we will see all of you next time on the How Not to Make a Movie podcast. The How Not to Make a Movie podcast is executive produced by me, Alan Katz, by Gil Adler, and by Jason Stein. Our artwork was done by the amazing Jody Webster, and Jason Jody, along with Mando, are all the hosts of the fun and informative Dads from the Crypt podcast. Followed up for what my old pal, the Crypt Keeper, would have called terrific content. <laughs>